everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Lambert Lovebirds podcast. I'm Rob. And I'm Andy. And we're the Lambert Lovebirds. And as always, guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcast. And if you leave us a review on iTunes, that's super helpful. And if we start a conversation or uh, talk about a topic that you find helpful and think it's something that uh, is worth sharing, tell a friend about the show because that helps us out so much. And it keeps the conversation going. Mm-hmm. And that is something that we're all about. We think that's awesome. Now, Andy, last week we talked about uh, some of the protests and some of the the hard things that are going on in the country right now, but we're also living in a time that is completely unprecedented uh, when it comes to COVID-19 and mm-hmm. quarantines and the coronavirus, and it's it's it just feels crazy to be living through times that history will remember oh absolutely as important yeah yeah (laughs) i mean mean, yeah just yeah (laughs) yeah it is big um yeah i don't know i think this is one of those things that it does change life as we know it i remember when it first started so we've been in corona now for about three months corona to us means <laughs> that starting i think it was like march 12th or something yeah. um it was like it was just like second week of march i think yes. that we started to experience that we it. started to experience it here in utah and that meant um we were quarantined to our homes and social distance and mask and all of that fun stuff started so we've been in it for about three months now and now here in utah a lot of the rules and such are um kind of lifting and so the new normal is starting we're allowed to go into stores and sit in restaurants and hang out with i think groups of like 10 or 20 maybe even bigger now i have a hard time following all of the faces we might be up we might be up to groups of 50 oh wow i had no idea honestly i hung out with two people today and i was like slightly nervous you're like afraid that the corona cops were going to come back oh my goodness what what are we doing oh my gosh i just hugged her um (laughs) So yeah, so that's what that's what times of corona has meant for us. But when I say life as we know it has changed, which what's interesting is that I know at the beginning of this, um, a lot of people were thinking that this will this will pass quickly and we'll just get back to new normal. But as things have dragged on and we have been, you know, six plus weeks, eight plus weeks, um, just home with our families and not living what used to be the normal normal kind of went away (laughs) like normal church went away normal work went away like normal just normal everyday life restaurants went away and so like now we're not entering into a like back to normal it's almost like back to new Mm -hmm. like what what is next what does this look like and so um at first for me it was pretty fear filled I remember one time, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but I have to say it aloud. I know Rob's like cocking his head, like, what are you going to say? But I have to say it aloud just to give you a picture of one of our marriage and our personalities and two, because I'm such a nut. I just can't <laughs> like, wait for which story you're going to share. <laughs> oh gosh, he has a thousand. But when this first started, I was like researching. I'm such a researcher. Um researching what does China look like? What does Italy look like after Corona? And it was so early that they hadn't yet completely been out of Corona. They were seeing new cases all the time as well. And I looked at Rob in genuine concern, fear, and maybe a little bit of tears. And I said, Rob, is there life after Corona? (laughs) 
<laughs> and I believe, like I did, there was a part of me that thought, this is, is it. This, it? this, this is, is how we all die. <laughs> Corona. <laughs> it's judgment day. And like, I think he laughed and was like, of course. And I'm like, okay, good. I am weird. But how do you know? Unless you ask. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that, that is interesting because it has, you know, being pastors of a church and seeing our buildings shut down and seeing um, just weeks and weeks of this go on. And people are asking big questions. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's varying opinions, I mean, all across the spectrum. People who are saying, hey, this entire thing is ridiculous and it's a hoax. Like, let's get back to normal. Let's get back to opening things up uh, all the way to the other side where you have people who are just like, hey, you know, we're we're going to be wearing hazmat suits for the rest of our lives. <laughs> um, it's been an, it's sort of been an interesting. Why are all my friends calling out Andy on that one? Oh what? my gosh! <laughs> but it has been uh, an interesting time to kind of think about the church and to think yeah. about faith and to think about God and to see things like this unfold um, and believing that God is sovereign. Yeah. I think it starts to ask some big questions about that. Mm-hmm. And like, at least for me, when it comes to the to the institution of the church and how it has changed from before to now, um, there is a sense of excitement for me. Like, it's almost disappointing to me that people are trying to rush back to before to their definition of what normal was um, without careful consideration and pause. So... We have had big conversations in our home and I'm taking the perspective and in my opinion, the truth that um, if God is sovereign, the coronavirus is no shock to him. <laughs> like, he, Yeah, like he, not only did he know it was coming for us and our experience, but he allowed it to happen. If we know anything about God and his allowance, it's for growth sake, it's for good sake as he promises. And so... If we are meant to experience good, um, or if we're meant to go through this hard season of Corona, we have to know that it is the good could be produced from this. Not only like could be, but is going to be produced from this. That's a promise yeah. that we have, and so that there, there will be dark, there will be hard, there absolutely. will be horrible, horrible things, but that we're not alone through it, right? And that we have the promise that. God is able to take those things that we've experienced in our in our lives, the hardships, the the things that make us um, cling to Him more, that make us ask bigger questions. Mm-hmm. That He can take those things and use them in a way that will grow us and and help us understand Him better and closer to Him, mm-hmm. and ultimately glorify Him uh, at the end of it. Yeah, and grow within areas that need to be grown, change us um, and things that need to be changed. And so I, as we're kind of going back to normal, I feel this discontentment if we're entering into this new like normal without asking the questions, what needs to stay and what needs to go? And so this could be in relation and should be in relation to the church itself. Um, but I almost want to just like apply all sure. <laughs> like copy paste. <laughs> yes. Copy paste all across the board and just have that, 
um, be in our friendships and in our the in our homes and the way we do family the way we do community all of those things like we had a freedom we had a season where a lot of things went and um, buildings went for the church Sunday yeah. mornings and corporate worship went for the church like right. a lot of things went and things it begs, that in some ways I think here that we even took for granted say more things that we thought hey there's nothing that can touch this mm -hmm. there's nothing that's going to make this go away and in some ways that you almost maybe didn't fully appreciate your ability to experience or do are suddenly taken away or are suddenly considered dangerous like to do this would not be wise mm -hmm. Um, that's just, that's intense. Yeah. That's pretty intense. Yeah. And what I love about this is some, um, a wise friend of mine once said, um, God doesn't need Sunday mornings. Mm. And I, and I'm like, that is so true. Like what, <laughs> what, what makes us think like that? That's an accidental box that we're putting Jesus in. Like God doesn't need Sunday mornings we do because we understand the rhythm of Sunday mornings because sure. we've placed the template of Sunday mornings mm. um, that makes us feel comfortable we know how to do Sunday morning what is more foreign is do we know how to do authentic community outside of the building of Sunday morning mm. do we know that a, a lot of us do but do all of us um and that's that's something that we should get to conversations that we should have what does church look like outside of a building what does church look like outside of sunday morning what does church look like in my home those are all great like god honoring questions to have those are all questions that i would believe that god's sovereignty in allowing this to happen wanted us to have and so rushing back to what felt comfortable before corona into what we are labeling normal um just feels irresponsible to me it feels like we are there is so much that could be gleaned from this there's so much change that could be helpful from this season if we would start to collectively ask those questions sure yeah and one of the just you know as people are having these conversations and you're seeing uh, different institutions do all kinds of different things. Um, you know, there's a church that we follow in Fresno called the well. And, uh, I just loved a couple of Sundays ago, the, the, uh, you know, it's obvious that they've gotten some feedback about this, about continuing to, to stay closed and to believe that that's the wisest choice. Uh, our church has decided to stay closed as well, mm -hmm. um, until the state of Utah goes green and maybe by the time you're listening to this, Utah has gone green and we're meeting again face to face. <laughs> but in the midst of now, while we're recording, our our church has also um, decided to stay closed longer to wait for it to go green. And some of the feedback that um, that I think we're seeing all across the Christian community, I'm talking social media, multiple churches that, that we follow um, all across the country, uh, there's these folks who are taking the, you know, this verse in Hebrews, that's like, do not forsake meeting together, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's this idea of like, you know, what are we so scared of? Like, you know, biblically, we shouldn't be scared. Let's get back together. Don't forsake meeting together. And I love that Brad's perspective, <laughs> uh, Brad Bell's perspective was, Hey, I know some people are saying this and, you know, let's be clear the context of even of that passage at that time, there was no certified church building. In fact, the author of Hebrews probably was referring 
more to a time like this mm-hmm. when what you can do is get together in smaller uh, home groups, mm-hmm. home churches, community, you yeah, know, smaller community style yeah. living. Mm-hmm. And I just think um, it's so cool that in this time where maybe it sometimes feels like ch- the idea of church in quotes is tied to a physical location. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that we see early on in the church is that it had everything to do with a people and a community and had nothing to do with a specific location. Right. And I think it's a great reminder, you know, as we talk about, Hey, uh, you know, what are, as we evaluate, Hey, what stays, what goes and everything. I think it's just a great reminder and a little bit of a wake up call to us as an American church to understand that the church is the people who gather together united. Mm hmm. And whether that's 2,000 people or it's two people, that is the church. Mm-hmm. And your building or your meeting place, it has sentimental, intrinsical value to you. Yes. But it is not the church. It is not the, the church. The church will not live and die by the, by the physical building. It will, it will live because of the hearts of the people who gather together in community whether it's two people sitting across the table from each other, 10 people sitting around a living room or a hundred people gathering on zoom, <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, 2000 people tuning into a, a live stream and chatting together or whatever. Like when those people come together, that is the church. Mm-hmm. I just think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is a beautiful thing. And what I love about, um, picturing the church outside of a building as we're doing what it forces like what a building limits if we look at sunday morning especially our church is a fairly large church and so there's hundreds of people that come in and out um for one service and so when we look at the church what's limiting about our sunday morning experience is authentic community what we do really well is worship and teaching and children's experience and all these beautiful things that is worth missing. Those are great things. But something that when we are robbed of those things that we get to look a little closer in and invest a little more in is authentic relationships and community. Yeah. What does it look like to do life with somebody outside of a teaching like sitting beside each other in a lecture setting. What does it look like to have um, intimate conversations about life and where the heart is and to ask hard questions about relationships and marriage, to invite people in, to be vulnerable, to pray with and for? Um, Like what do all of those things look like in, in this season when we're, when we're robbed of our, service time when we're robbed of our building when we're robbed of this huge gathering what could it look like to reach out to the people who um i know all of us all of us miss a corporate experience we really do and but if we were to ask the question what specifically do you miss what do you wish that you could just gather for on sunday Mm. this sunday All of us are going to mention a few families, a handful of families. I miss seeing so-and-so and and -and so-and-so, and I miss giving so-and-so a hug. Um, I miss corporate gathering for worship's sake. I mean, I don't think it's weird. I sing out loud (laughs) on the couch every single Sunday. I worship along, and I mean, 
It is, I'm sure, incredibly glorious it's for beautiful. my family. It's a beautiful uh, thing. <laughs> and I am the only one. And I'm married a worship pastor. <laughs> and so he really... I'm, I'm singing always, in my heart. <laughs> I'm always shocked that I am the one that's like singing alone by myself. But um, like, I think it's great, but not everybody does. And so I would imagine that that's the bigger thing that's missing singing together. But when you think about the families that, that you would name, I miss this about church. It's going to be a handful of people, 10 or less. You're not going to name 20 families that you miss. Um, I want to ask, why can't you do church with them? Where is the, like, why is the building responsible for the church that you could create, the church that you're naming right now? Call them, mm -hmm. <laughs> invite them into your home, watch church, sing together. Yeah in this season do that create your church experience and let that be let church not be connected to a building or a service time let that church be connected to a community and um, a relationship that needs cultivating yeah a, a, a community of people coming together to say we are going to pursue who christ is grow towards loving him well and knowing him better as a family, as a group of people, as a community. And regardless of where that happens, mm -hmm. that is the church. Mm -hmm. That is who the church is. And so, you know, being able to, being able to even, you know, one of the things that we're looking at in this time, you know, with our church building being shut down is, um, you know, trying to encourage people to get together in their small groups, get together um, in like even what we're calling micro gatherings, you know, or have like a house, a church house party, you know, on a Sunday morning and watch the service together. Get You can't get a hundred people together per the guidelines, but you could get 10, mm -hmm. you could get those 20, you know, you could get those 10 families or those 20 people together. And in the midst of that, that is the church happening, you know? And I just, I think that in some ways, you know, a time like this can sort of, and this is just sort of like a raw pr process that's coming into my head right now. This is a time where the, the like the, for lack of a better term, the fire of Corona can test the metal of what we have in our lives mm, and the I things like that. that we invest in. And some of those things will burn and will fall away. Mm-hmm. And if our hope of the church is wrapped up in a person or a place other than Jesus himself yes. and his, and being in his presence, mm -hmm. it's going to burn down. Yes. And so it's not to say that like that, that the longing to be united with a larger congregation is a bad thing not or to be all. back in the space that feels like home. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But if that becomes the thing that like our, our concept of the church and who God is, is tied to, it will disappoint us and it will burn away. Yes. And that's, a, that's just sad. That's a hard thing. Yeah. But I think that that's what times like this do is cause us to take a look at the rhythms the things we focus on, the things we give our heart to, the the things that we embrace, it causes us to take a hard look at those and to sort of reevaluate, have to refocus in some ways. And even that's some of the stuff even that in our personal lives, yeah. in our family, even that we're doing as well. Yeah, that that is part of the thing that I'm actually loving. I 
I didn't know how many things in my life that I have now that I missed before. Sure. You know, and we have two young girls. We have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And um, any parents out there know that this season is golden. It is exhausting, but it is golden. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we've got some great characters living in our home with big imaginations and big hearts and And big big feelings. (laughs) And loud voices. Real loud. Oh, my gosh. Um, Even just today, sidetrack. My daughter was so excited about something and she kept starting her sentence literally yelling. And I had to keep in a normal voice looking at her and saying, hey, why are you yelling at us? And then she'd go, oh, and talk normal. And then she would start another sentence at full volume. And so anyway, there's a picture of our home. But before as full-time, both of us are full-time workers for a church. We are pastors and we love our church very much. And a lot of our time goes there. And I love that. But what that meant is our daughters were in two preschools and um, childcare. Mm-hmm. And so we saw them at night and we saw them um, some weekends, but weekends are busy too. And so we just kind of pull them along life with us often. And they do church with us, which is beautiful and exactly what we want. But we didn't have slow mornings and we didn't have lunches together and um, we didn't have afternoon walks and all of the fun stuff that we have now. And so right now we are very, we are caring for our church very well and doing a lot of um, the same care that we did before, but the administrative tasks that it took to run Sunday morning and um, the effort that it took there is different for us now that allows us more time with our children. And so those um, rhythms, I didn't know that I missed it, but I am in it. And I do understand that that is not um, the new normal, but also there is a new normal that gets to include a lot of that. Not all of it, but a lot of it. Um, And those are things that we are having conversations around. What does it look like to be present with our family as as present or more present with them than other spaces in our life. Well, um, Rob and I get the honor of slow mornings together. I know Rob really loves that because sleeping is pretty excessive and very luxurious. Okay, <laughs> yeah, by by excessive and luxurious rather than uh, waking up at, what, 7.15, I now wake up at 8. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty luxurious. Oh Any parent gosh. out there knows that that is pretty luxurious. Although that's not true. The last three mornings, I think we've been woken up at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., mm-hmm. and then I think it was 6.30 again. Again, so two our and four-year-old girls. Keeping us so, busy. Yeah. But yeah, there's a, there's a change of pace mm-hmm. that has happened. And I think that, once again, it causes... And maybe it's the same for you out there who's listening. Like it causes a sense of reflection to go, okay, now I can see the pace that I was running at Mm -hmm. the, the things that I were, that I was making a priority by, by how I invested my time. Um, I can see those things a little bit clearly now. Yeah. And some of that I go awesome. And then some of that I go, oh man. I didn't realize, yeah, I didn't realize Mm -hmm. how hard I was missing it. And as we look at this new normal, I don't want to, I don't want to go back to missing it again. You know, something has to change. I got to figure that out. And so it's new, it's new rhythms and, and, uh, I guess in a new, yeah, a new normal that'll Mm -hmm. be coming because I think to go to, to, to insinuate that there's a possibility to go back to the way things were that like 
you know, the way that I woke up on, you know, I think it was, I think March 12th is when we experienced it. So the way mm-hmm. I woke up on March 11th will be whatever date it is in the future that, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, that it's goes green or whatever. In July. Um, I, I think that if that's the goal and this is just my personal process, mm-hmm. if that's the goal, man, I'm missing it. Yeah. I'm missing it because this time, you know, it, it, it's hard because there's people who have experienced incredibly challenging and dark and hard and just ugly things in this season that I don't know. Right. I have witnessed friends who have been tested and came back positive for mm-hmm. COVID-19. I don't know anybody who's died. Yeah. There are people who know multiple people who have died. So I know that there are things about this season that are ugly and hard and dark and just terrible and disgusting. But I also know that in the midst of this slowdown, we're being given a unprecedented gift of time and a a slower pace to take a look at who we were before this and say, what was working, what wasn't, and how do we move forward better on the back end of this than we were on the front end. Mm-hmm. And I think that 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 goes all the way from me as an individual all the way up to the organizations we work for as people mm-hmm. and then all the way up to us as just like human beings and as a people. You know what I mean? And that's a little bit of what we talked about you know last week with some of the hard stuff that's just going right going on right now in regards to to race and oppression and stuff like that, but we just have an ability during this time to slow down and focus on things that just need to be different. And I don't want to waste that time. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of one of the places that I'm landing in. Yeah. Hey, I, I agree. I amen all of that stuff. And I also, yeah, I, um, I know that this virus has brought a lot of tragedy and sitting in, almost in the weight of that starting in March, you know, Mm -hmm. we all just kind of had this fear and anxiety of who is it going to touch and is it going to be me or my family? Um, That kind of fear and anxiety is something really heavy to sit with. And I, and I know the feeling of that and I don't want to discount the tragedy um, that has come and that is continuing to come. We're still in times of Corona Mm -hmm. and just because things are opening up and just because our world has changed um, and and right now we have a different focus of um, civil rights movement happening around us too that's taking a lot of our um, needed and necessary attention. It's still here. And I, I did hear a quote recently that said um many people haven't experienced the worst of 2020 yeah um yeah and that's true and that's sad and that's hard and so as we carefully evaluate what rhythms in our life um just watching them and deciding in our hearts and in our decisions of what needs to stay, what do we need to protect and fight for and create new rhythms in our life that are inclusive of that and make that a priority and what needs to go as we evaluate that. I hope that we also hold in the same vein and the same openness that um, we've got brothers and sisters that are sitting and walking beside us that have come from a hard road or that are entering into a hard road and um, letting 
authentic community be a pursuit of the new normal? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Can I just say, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. And don't feel bad about I know, it. Please do. Don't, don't shame. Don't shame people if they please want to wear a mask, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is such an awkward time with masks. I just now that you brought that up, like it's like um, it's like peer pressure I from know, junior high again, like right? Like both ways, peer pressure <laughs> both ways, and like I, um, I am fiercely uncomfortable in masks. I don't know anybody who's like, oh, it's kind of my mo. I love masks, but I'm very uncomfortable. But I do like wearing masks, um, not only for my protection. Yeah, but okay. So I have to say, just story today, I went to a store and um, normally I wear masks, but I just decided, you know what? I'm not going today. It's not that busy. I'm just not going to wear it. So I go in this store and I see the majority of the people are not wearing masks. And I'm like, okay, I'm normal. Like, this is fine. I'm a little paranoid. I'm a little scared, but I'm just going to fight past that and confidently not wear a mask. And then I saw some people of high risk. They were obviously high risk um, walking around with masks. And I thought, oh, I'm a terrible person. (laughs) I really thought how scary for them. And then I saw like more people walking around with masks. And then they like passed by the high risk people and stuff. And I thought, I'm so mean. Why am I, why am I making this harder for them? Even if, even if I'm not going to walk past them or talk to them or whatever, even just my solidarity. And wearing a mask sure. with them so that they're not alone in their maskness. And so I Andy I Lambert, know. champion of the people, ladies I'm and gentlemen. Telling you. So I was like, you know what? I am never gonna feel bad about wearing a mask. So the next store we went into, we had two stops. I proudly wore my mask, and in that store, I was the only one. <laughs> no high risk people. I, but I don't care. Alone, Just the fact that I had seen high risk people wearing them before was enough for me to say, you know what, this isn't about me. This is about everybody and I am for everybody. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually loved, uh, and we're, we're getting to the end of our time here, but mm-hmm. I, I think that, um, the wearing, wearing the mask is going to, it's like the new thing that like causes anxiety. It's like, are you going to wear it or are you not going to wear it? Well, are they wearing it? Well, if they're wearing it and I'm not, is that weird? Or if I'm wearing it and they're not, like, do I look like a weirdo? Do we sound like junior hires? Are we just like the junior high maskers? I I think, I think so. Here's the deal. We're it together. If you're one of those people who wants to wear a mask, wear it and wear it proud. Mm -hmm. And if you're one of those people who doesn't want to wear a mask. Who are you? No, I'm just kidding. I was going to say, don't shame anybody. (laughs) (laughs) That's better. That was a better response. Listen to him. But I loved, uh, I loved, I saw a post on, um, on Facebook. I think it was, I think it was Facebook, but it's Daniel Levy. Uh, the guy who plays David on Schitt's Creek. David. Exactly. And he said, don't, you know, there's people talking about it, like infringing my rights or whatever. And he said, don't think about it that way. Think about it as the very smallest, like the very least you could possibly do (laughs) as an act of kindness. Is to just put, it put a mask on. It certainly is the absolute least. You <laughs> exactly, is absolutely the least you could do. Um, but yeah, just don't don't be don't feel ashamed if you want to wear one, and don't shame people if they want to wear one. Sorry, <laughs> no, you're good. You're good, guys. That was to me, guys. Yikes! Uh, Ouch! Oh, dang it! Uh, that couch is looking nice and comfy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey guys, as always, thank you so much uh, for listening and uh, supporting the show. Uh, as always, you can find Andy on Instagram. Andy K. Lambert. No at. No at. <laughs> I mean, you you can, weirdo. <laughs> I do it still. I don't know. I don't know. It's old habits die hard. Uh, you can find her on Instagram, Andy K. Lambert. You can find me on Instagram, Rob Lambert Jr. 
And uh, like we've said before, love to hear from you. Love to hear um, your process through through some of the stuff that we've talked about. And th- we're hoping that this is the beginning of a conversation. Uh, so we'd love to hear some of your feedback. Yeah. And just um, a fun thing that we've been doing on Instagram for years now is hashtag Lambert Lovebirds. So that's another easy way to find us. If you um, want to go to that hashtag, then you we will both pop up. That's right. And we, we truly believe that uh, things get better as the conversation continues. And mm-hmm. so our hope is that this is not the end or that we've come to a place where we know it all, but that this will start a conversation. We'd love to hear you know what other people think and, and help sharpen our process because that's always a good thing. So please comment. That's right. And so, hey, until next time, I'm Rob. And I'm Andy. And we thank you so much for uh, joining us and I hope you have a great day. Bye.